You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Thank you. I know Annette and I really appreciate uh, Ryan and Sabrina and their leadership with our youth. It's just been a it's been a difficult time just to lead in general, and they've done an exceptional job. And uh, Renee, first, we're so thankful for your leadership too with our kids. What a blessing! You guys are in a church that really cares for I think the the development and the growth of, of young people and our children. And I want us to continue to do that. That that would be the forefront of a lot of things that we accomplish. We want to make sure that's the forefront of what we do here at this church. And in fact, the message this morning has everything to do with raising up the generations, raising up the generations to serve the Lord. And so this is a great message. We're continuing our series, uh, The Gospel Story. And um, it's just a great, it's a, it's a great series that we've been part of. We've been thankful to be part of this series, too. And listen, one other thing. Um, we are leaving. Our church is uh, sending a group starting tomorrow. We're leaving to Israel. We're going to take a two-week uh, journey of the Holy Lands. And so we want you guys to, to pray for this group. We've done this. I think this is our, our eighth trip as a church where we've gone. Been beautiful, wonderful opportunities. I don't know if anyone's in the room that's going Monday. Is anyone here? Lift your hand. I don't know. Hey, there you are. Good. There are a few of you here. How many have been before? Lift your hands, too. Yeah, we have quite a few. Uh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for supporting Israel. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We want to continue to do that. And so uh, pray for us the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to have a I know we're going to have a great time again. Do this with me. Open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy this morning. We're going to go there. I think this is a great place for us to land. Uh, this is where the leader Moses absolutely shines and he gives us some of his final words about God's law and its relationship to God's people what Moses is known for and, and how Moses is remembered can be captured in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and really the whole book of Deuteronomy the whole book of Deuteronomy actually takes place in only a span of two months and in that span of two months the letters that you read from Moses took place in about a three-week period of time and so Moses, what he's doing is he's telling the people, the children of Israel, he's saying, here, these are the things that I want you to remember. I want you to remember these things before you cross over into the promised land. And the more I study, the more I study the leadership of Moses, the more I appreciate his leadership. And the reason I do is because he's, he's carrying out a very difficult job, uh, not just leading millions of people through the wilderness, but imagine this, he is doing a job where he's beginning the formation of a nation. This is the beginning of Israel. This is the beginning of a nation. And to do anything when it starts out, and you know this if you started a business or if you've been a part of something that is at its beginnings, there are a lot of different things you have to pay attention to. There are a lot more complications that come because it is the beginning of something. And so when we read this, we read about Moses beginning this nation, this is his legacy. This is a big deal. And so when you're reading these passages that we're about ready to dive into, I want you to keep this in mind, that he is passing something off to us. He's giving us something. And, and, it's, and it is for today. It's for now. 
I don't want you to think about this book being something that was just relevant 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Absolutely relevant today. So think about this just for a moment. Uh, imagine this with me because earlier on in the book of Numbers, we studied last week, Numbers chapters 13 and 14. Do you remember what the people wanted to do to Moses? They wanted to kill Moses. They actually wanted to stone Moses because they thought Moses had led them astray. And so they wanted to replace God's anointed with their appointed. Listen, whenever I say that, and I say it out loud. In God's eyes, this is a very dangerous ground to be treading on. Uh, when you're going after God's uh, anointed like Moses and, and you want to usurp his authority and put someone in that you self-appoint, that's a difficult thing. And this just reminds me of, of what leadership is all about. Listen, when God's in charge, it's called a theocracy. Do you know what it's called when we're in charge? It's called anarchy. It really is. It, it really is because things just ultimately don't go the way that they're designed to go. And, and they don't fulfill God's purposes in our lives. Listen, when nations fall, and I, I want this to be clear today because it's something we want to pay attention to and pray over our own nation it isn't because of the sins of the unsaved. Rather, it's the sins of the saved. Because if you remember in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, what was the instruction? It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. It says, if my people. It doesn't say, if the world's people humble themselves. It says, if my people humble themselves. That's me. That's me. I'm one of those people. You're one of those people. And, and so it's important that we, we track this well in our own life and that we're praying and that we're interceding. And because God is so jealous for his people and their well-being, he gives us the book of Deuteronomy. It's just a wonderful gift. And the main reason for the book of Deuteronomy is to remind God's people of the covenant that he has with us. Now, Deuteronomy is Israel's second chance. That, that's really what it is. They blew it the first time, and now they have a second chance. But it costs them. When you think about blowing it the first time, what did it cost? Well, it cost them 40 years wandering in a wilderness. And if you do the math, it cost over a million lives in that 40 years that were lost. A million people died in the wilderness. In fact, the word Deuteronomy means second law implying a second chance. In Deuteronomy, God tells his people to set up reminders so the people will remember. <laughs> set up reminders so the people will remember. Again, we're speaking to that, that, that disease that we have that we forget. We have a memory disorder, a selective memory disorder. And so these people are forgetting about God's faithfulness Moses is not going to have anything to do with that. He wants people to remember God. He wants them to know God. So what does he do? He brings along the book of Deuteronomy. And so Moses, he's 120 years old. He is on the east side of the Jordan in the hills of Moab. He's able to look into and see where the promised land is because it's on the west side of the Jordan. And this is where, in this encampment, that that, that Moses speaks, and that Moses brings this message, and he gives this message to the people that are in this brand new generation. This is amazing to me. He's speaking to a new group of people, a new generation. 
wow, I, I think about that and I think about what would I say? What would you say if you had this opportunity to speak to a new generation? Moses is giving his last words to a group of people who, when they left Egypt, either they weren't born yet or they were just babies. So they don't remember the giving of the first law. They don't remember Moses and Mount Sinai. That's not in, in their collective memory. And, and it's a good thing. And that's the reason they wandered for, for 40 years is because they couldn't be responsible with what God had given them. Now, all their parents are gone. Uh, their bones are, are literally ble bleaching in the, in the wilderness. That these people, because of their rebellious disobedience, died in the wilderness. So what does God do? God gives us a deuteros, that's the name, a deuteros, which is the second giving, a recap of the law to a new generation. And I can't stress enough the importance of understanding this is to a new generation. This is to a new, absolutely new group of people. Listen, every generation needs a Deuteronomy. Every generation. Do you know one of the things that it highly motivates us to go through the series we're in right now, the gospel story? It's this. It's Deuteronomy. It's saying it again and again and again. We realized something, and I did, just praying over our church in the last few years, that, that there, there's, been, there's been struggles. We've all faced them. We know them. We, we've experienced them personally. So what do we do? What we need to do is we need to go back again and remember again the faithfulness of God. We need to come back to this place. And so it's just not, this is not a series, and I think most of you know this, this isn't a series just for in this room. Our children are going through the same thing you're going through. Our youth are, our young people are, our kids, our elementary kids. We're all going through this study together. Obviously, it's honed in to meet uh, specific audiences, but it's the same message. Why? Deuteronomy. Remember again. Remember again God's faithfulness. All of you have a, a unique testimony. You, you can pass that on. And I think when we're talking about what Moses is telling these people in the book of Deuteronomy, he's telling them from his own perspective. It, it's, it's something, the word of God, the law, is going out to these people in a way that he experienced it. And he lets us know that. He tells us that. What does that say to me? It says that your testimony is unique. Your story is unique. Your narrative of faith is unique. And that you would not hold that back. That you would be bold enough to tell people what God is up to in your life. That you would actually pass that on. I don't know if you've ever had a distinctive moment in your life where you have been either the receiver or giver of a, of a, new, uh, of a new legacy, of a... Of a, of a of a new beginning. I don't know if you've been at which end of that you've been part of. But I know for me, I, I was at the receiving end of something just like this. And I knew it when it was happening. Annette and I grew up under a great leader, uh, Dr. Alan Hamilton. And it was at Portland Foursquare Church. And, and we served him for almost 10 years there. We were on staff there. And, and, um, and he really was <clears throat> and became our spiritual father. And, uh, and it was so important that when we came here... We received his blessing, and that's exactly what he did. He, he blessed us. He, he, he laid hands on us, and he sent us out <clears throat> to come here to this place, to Canby. But we wanted to do it with his blessing. <clears throat> Excuse me. As he got older, 
he uh, showed up here. He would show up here. And every time he did, he'd usually sit right back over here. I, I'd have him stand up. He was in his 90s, and he'd stand up and, and wave at people. And I wanted you to know who my spiritual father was. I wanted you to know how important he was to me. And here's what happened. Uh, on his deathbed, in the hospital, he had family members call me because it was his request that I be in the room when he passed. Now, there are a lot of people I'm sure he could have chosen and asked to be there. And I was asked to come and be in that room, and I held his hand when they removed him from life support. And, and I'll never forget that there was something holy and sacred happening there, and it was a, a passing on. It was like, I'm leaving now, and I'm giving this to you. Now, not all those words were spoken, but I knew. I knew. I was very aware of what was happening. I was saying to myself, now it's my turn. Now this is what I have to do, and I have to make sure that I do this for others. I need to make sure that I pass it on. I want you to pic picture Moses doing this. That's what he's doing. He's passing this on. Kids and grandkids, are, they're curious. They're curious about your upbringing. They're curious about your spiritual journey. Uh, I know my kids are. My grandkids are. They ask us a lot of questions, and I want, I want them to hear uh, the heart. The, the the love and the, 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 the journey of Jesus Christ resonating in the things that we say to them. See, the real history is what they want to know. The real story, the background and details uh, of our upbringing. And, and, and that infuses into their life. Um, it's something that changes the next generation. I'm uh, in a very unique place right now. I'm just going to share with you what this and how this uh, impacted me this last week. Annette and I are in a very unique place. Um, there aren't very many people that, that have the privilege, the honor to be somewhere for over 30 years, the same place. And the privilege and honor for us is that we get to watch generations grow up. I think the greatest and most satisfying thing that we experience is we get to see that. Baby dedications to water baptisms to weddings and then to funerals. And to watch all of this happen right in front of our very eyes. And even the most difficult times, there's this holiness about it. There's this sacredness that's going on when you're watching this and you get to be, you get to be part of that. When we first came here, we were in our early 30s and we said, this is going to be our first and only church that we pastor. Well, you say a lot of things when you're young. And you're not sure if that's really what's going to happen. But thank be to God, it did happen and has happened here. And I'm thankful that we had that perspective. And you can imagine what Moses was feeling, saying, they're my kids. They're my kids. I mean, they, they caused me some problems. Uh, they, they, they weren't always easy. But these are the kids that I love. These are the kids that, that, that are carrying on the legacy. These are the kids that are going into the promised land. We've all had an exodus but we all need a Deuteronomy. We've all been delivered from bondage, but we need to be reminded of what God has done in our lives. And we need to talk to each other about it. Listen, even though some of us have been maybe around for a while, we need a Deuteronomy, a, a reminder of, of God's faithfulness, a Deuteronomy of God's truths, a Deuteronomy of God's grace, a Deuteronomy of God's compassion. We need a retelling. We, we need to say it again. We need to talk about this. 
and that we keep the main thing the main thing. Because if you don't, if you don't practice in Deuteronomy, you get off course. Other things become more important than Jesus Christ. And we want to say, nope, that's not going to happen. We're going to keep Jesus in front of us. So now listen, listen to the word from Deuteronomy known to Israel as the Shema. Can you just say that out loud with me? Shema. Shema. Shema is the Hebrew form of one word. The word is hear, to hear. Literally implying to hear and obey. That comes together. It's the Shema. This is the great Shema. This is equivalent to the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. This is, this is the thing that they, they live by, that they practice to hear and obey. It's what James says in James 1.22. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Be people that are people of the Shema. That's what, it say, that's what he's telling us here. What you're about to hear in, in, is the prayer that millions of Jews pray every morning and every night. What you're going to hear this morning is that prayer that's prayed constantly and still is prayed today. What we're about to read are the very first words that Jewish children are taught before they say mom, before they say dad, before these other words come into their mouth, into their minds. It is the Shema that they're taught first before they're taught anything else. It's their great confession of faith. That's what this is. So I want you to do something with me. I want you to just stand in the reading of the word. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the great Shema. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. As long as you live by keeping all of his decrees his commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. And here it is. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give to you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This is something we acknowledge. And why do we obey the Lord's commands? 
I mean, what is the purpose? What motivates us? That one phrase in there in verse two, you may fear the Lord. And if you look at that, that 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 phrase, you may fear the Lord is a strong theme that runs through the Old Testament. And it also is seen in the New Testament as well. Something that I believe, and when I look at this and read this, it's something that I'm wondering, I'm believing that we've lost this in a great part of God's people in the church today is the fear of the Lord, mainly because we might not understand what it is. But Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that I want to be part of a wise generation. Well, how does that happen? It comes through the fear of the Lord. Does the fear of the Lord mean that I wake up in the morning trembling because God is near me? Do I wake up in the morning fearful that I'm afraid of God? No, that's not what this means. That's not what this is saying. The fear of the Lord is a reverence. It's an awe that comes from a loving submission to a loving God. I'm going to say that again. A loving submission to a loving God. That's what this is about. So the bottom line is this. It's a reverence to God and a reverence for all things God. So it's a reverence to God himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to all things that are godly, all things that are scriptural. Those are the things that we say, these are the things that we want to honor and have respect and reverence. This is the basic right here. This is the foundation. Let me say this. This is your plumb line. If this is not your, 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 your basic foundation, your heart to fear the Lord, then we wander. And that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. It says here that this is your foundation and that when you do this, it says that your day, do you notice that your days will be prolonged? It doesn't just mean, it's not just speaking of, um, of a numerical chronological years. What it's talking about there is something even more than that. That your days would be deeply satisfying. That your days, that whatever they are, they would be fulfilled and be fulfilling from beginning to end. That's something I can actually, I can get on board with that. And then I look at verses 3 and 4 and follow me here. It says, in the land flowing with milk and honey. We talked about that last week. And you remember that what it represents, it's really a, a phrase that represents prosperity. Uh, milk uh, representing their livestock, probably not cattle so much as it was goats. And then it says honey. And we talked about most likely not bee honey like we think about it. Uh, just didn't have the ability to do that. It was date honey or date syrup where they just strained it. And it was just it's real yummy. It really is. It tastes good. I really don't like dates that much, but I eat a few when I go to Israel because it, it has a taste that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, it has food quality in Israel that you don't get anywhere else. It's just really, really good. And that's what he's saying here, that your days will go well and that you will. You'll be in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, verse 4 is the pinnacle passage of all passages in the Bible. This is the, the pinnacle of the Shema. And it says, oh, here, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. In Hebrew, there's no word for is, so it reads this, the Lord one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your strength. This is the heart of the children of Israel. This is what they get a hold of. This is the most famous passage for the Jews, again, in all the Bible. This is where they turn to. The Shema is designed 
Um, it's designed to warn God's people. Now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Who are they going to face? It's not going to be it's not going to be a cakewalk. So whenever God promises you something, don't think that it's going to be an automatic. Don't think that it's going to be a cakewalk. In fact, when you go in, just expect you might face some difficulty. I, I thought about the children of Israel when they sent out the spies. Where did they start? They were starting in the wilderness, the desert. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is nothing. This is nothing to write home about. But as they got further into their investigation, they found out that it truly is a beautiful place. And so what they're saying here, what Moses is saying is you're going to come into a land that has many gods. You're going to go into a land that's occupied by Canaanites and they have numbers of gods. Again, when we go there in the next week, we are going to see some of the Asherahs. We're going to see some of the the, uh, the 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 idols that were worshipped by the Canaanites, but in some ways in the north were adopted by the Israelites. And so he says, don't do that. You don't go in. You keep one Lord in front of you. You keep God in front of you. Listen, I'm going to say this is amazing to me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord one. The name of God is so sacred that it was never pronounced. It was never said out loud. In fact, it's been lost over the generations of what it was actually, what the word was. Because it was only defined by uh, uh, consonants. And it's four uppercase letters. Y-H-W-H. We say Yahweh or Yahweh. And then to make it easier for us, the nickname to Yahweh is Adonai. And so they've had to figure out a way. How do we communicate? <laughs> How do we communicate this, this name of, of, of God that we can't say out loud. That's how they did it. They said Yahweh. And so that's the pronunciation that they used. And it, it, is, it is gone and lasted through the centuries, through the millennium. In verse 5, I like this. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Wow. Now, hold on. I, I was reading this, and I thought just for a moment, how... Can you command someone to love you? How do you do that? That would be kind of awkward. Uh, honey, I command you love me. That's not going to go over very well. That's not going to go over very well at all. But it is possible to do that. So here's the deal. We see it from a Western perspective. They're seeing it from a totally different perspective. In our culture, it doesn't make sense. And that's why we just giggled just a moment ago. But it really is true. You can love someone as a command. It just depends on how you define love. If you see it as a noun, it makes no sense. If you see it as a verb, it makes all the sense in the world to us in our culture. You see, the noun is, well, I fell in love. and Well, I just fell out of love. Th that's the noun form uh, of what love is. I just fell in. I fell out. That's just what happened. And there we are. That's the way it goes. What you're saying there, that that's the noun form. Subjectively feeling it or not, but it is possible to act it out. Now, here's where it gets deep. To love as a verb, to be obedient and say, whether I feel it or not, I will love. Whether I am emotionally attached, I will love. I have been commanded to love, and I will command myself to love. I will say to myself, I'm making a choice here, and the choice is I will love her. The choice is I will love my God. 
It is a choice that we make. That's how Israel saw this. Whether I feel it or not, I'm deciding to show love to you. I'm making a choice to love you, to love God, to love my loved ones. I'm making the decision to show love. It is a verb and can be a command as a noun. I will obey. I will obey. I will follow that command. Now think of it this way. Your choice to love is the engine. Your feeling to love is the caboose. I don't feel like it. I love her any I don't love her anymore. So what? Love her anyways. Love him anyways. And then verses six and seven. And I'm going to move through this quickly here. Uh, I love this. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. It's what we talked about. That's why I wanted Ryan to share. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I love this. I, I really love this. I love praying and singing with my grandkids. I just, I just, when we go places, we just sing together. And I love to hear them sing. I love to hear what they have to say about how God cares for them and how God loves them. And what are we doing? We're actually practicing the Shema. We're passing it on. It's on our way somewhere. We're impressing it on their hearts as we go about our day. These are the great times. You know, I love what happens when we say we're going to pray when all our families together. Our kids, our grandkids start to scramble to see who they're going to hold hands with. That's a little bit of an argument, maybe breaking out here and there. But it's fun to watch these kids rally around and say we're going to pray right now and how important it is for them as kids to see their whole family, their parents and their grandparents hold hands and pray, O hero Israel, our Lord is a good God. And we're going to impress them with that. Now in verse 8, it says, it gives us reminders, you shall bind them as a sign to your hand and to your forehead. Now listen, I want to say something. The Jews take this literally. They have little boxes. They're called phylacteries. Uh, Jewish men put them on their foreheads. We're going to see a lot of that pretty soon. There is also one place that they put on their left arm as well. And I think I might even, I don't know if I have a picture of it. But I, see, that's what a phylactery is. If you've seen this before... If you've been around Orthodox communities, this is what it looks like. The little box on their head is this. It's following the Shema. Put it on your forehead. Let it Literally, put it on your forehead. And in that little box are three different scriptures that affirm the Lord thy God. Hear, O Israel. And so they wear it on their forehead, and you see them binding it on their left, or their, yes, their left arm. They put it on their left arm. So they have phylacteries. That's what they're called. They take this literally. They, they walk around every day. You can see them. The men will pull off at certain times of prayer, and you'll see them. We see it on the airplane. Sometimes we're flying over in there, and you'll see them get up and put their prayer shawls on, and they'll start putting their phylacteries on on both their forehead and their arms. And I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty inspiring when you watch that happen. Again, each box contains scripture that represent the great Shema. And then in the, uh, the last few words that Moses speaks, and I want to finish with this. He says something. He says something to Israel after he gives all these speeches, and he wraps it up. This is his conclusion. And he does so in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 through 8. It's at the very end, and he speaks these words. 
to the children of Israel and to Joshua. And this is important as Moses makes sure to encourage because he knows this. He knows that it's going to be very, very difficult to constantly love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. He also knows it's going to be very difficult for those people to get along, to stay on course. He knows there's going to be a lot of things that come up that want to detour them. So what does he say? The very end, his conclusion to his message, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong, son. Be courageous, son. For you must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Appropriate for a man. Joshua is going to go take on a huge task. Why do I say that? Friends, it hasn't been easy. This wasn't easy for Moses to lead just like it's not easy today. It's not easy for you to lead. For you to lead in your home or your business or in church or community. And I I think I can say this. And this is what this scripture has brought out in me. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've been more uncertain about my leadership. But at the same time feeling very certain about God's leadership. And they're different. They're different. And that's why I'm saying to you, be certain about him. Not about your proposals, not about your platforms, not about what you think, but what God's word says. And find your certainty there. This is about God's leadership in my life, my family, my church, my community. See, these verses speak, they do, they speak right to my heart. And I believe they're directed to God's people and God's leaders. Don't be so certain with your leadership, but absolutely be certain with God's. Because he will never leave you or forsake you. I want you to look at that 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 verse. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you know in the original language, things that are repeated are repeated through punctuation marks. They're not repeated just through the words. The punctuation on that phrase is meant for you to say it five times. It it is repeated to you. I will never leave you or forsake 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 you. This is how much God wants you to know that he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the confidence that we need today. That's the certainty that we need to have in our lives. And I want you to I want you to write down something here if you want to courage. Listen. Courage is not the absence of fear. If you're waiting for fear to go away, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. Rather, it's moving forward in truth and faith in spite of fear. I love what Winston Churchill once said. He said, courage is the foundation that all other attributes are built on. So I want to give you, in closing, I want to give you five areas of my life 
that are built on courage, that I have to make, I have to take courageous steps. Number one is decision making. To have courage. Now what do I mean by that? Value-based decisions. Decisions based on the word. Number two, do you know it takes courage to have humility of heart? Have you ever related courage with humility before? I'm going to tell you what. It takes courage to prefer others above yourself. And then thirdly, wisdom. <clears throat> it takes courage to listen and observe others. Number four, it takes courage to have vision and discern with others in community what that looks like. And number five, it takes courage to discipline. It takes courage to discipline your strengths. God has given you strengths. Don't ever take those for granted. Discipline them to serve his kingdom. Discipline those strengths to serve others. Don't just squander the, the gifts he's given you. Please don't do that in the day we live in. Be strong and very courageous. And he will be with you. You take the gifts he's given you and you discipline them for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. Shema is a great time for us now because this is what we need to hear. This is what I needed to hear. Be strong and very courageous. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we want to thank you for your word because your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is perpetual life, uh, that, that it keeps on giving. And it's always appropriate and always gives and keeps on giving. And so we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we want to be people that are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And that we would be reminded every single day of your faithfulness, of your grace, of your compassion, of the things you've done. Lord, we need to experience Deuteronomy in our lives. We know, we know we've been set free from bondage. But Lord, would you remind us of your compassion, of your faithfulness, of your grace. Thank you. Thank you for loving us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.